Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined this week by not Pete Donaldson, because he is away on holiday. If you listened to the last episode, you'll know Pete's on a much-needed break. Um, we've been doing this podcast two and a half years now, and he's never missed a single episode. I've missed one. Guilty of that. He's never missed a single one until uh, a few days ago. He's on holiday. We thought we'd give him a break for once, and instead, stepping in for the great Pete Donaldson is Charlotte in Japan. How are you doing, Charlotte? Hello. Thanks for having me back. Good to see you back. again. Good yeah. to see you. We're in Tokyo at the moment, and um, I was looking for a, a co-host, looking for someone who could fill the big boots of Pete Donaldson. <laughs> I'm not sure if I meet those standards, but I'll try my best. And uh, Well, you, you were the only one in Tokyo at the time. <laughs> I see, I see. But, uh, I mean, you were my first choice yeah. to, 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 to come on the, the, the podcast, <laughs> and uh, it's just been great. But no, seriously, thanks for coming on. And um, we got some questions you guys have sent in to Sharla. At the end of last week's episode, I asked you to send any questions and we'll be reading those out later on. But why are you in Tokyo, Sharla? What are you doing down here still? Um, I'm, I'm still packing packages for my business. <laughs> right. And after that, I'm actually off to Hakone to visit a very special cat hotel. Cat hotel? Cat hotel. They rent you a cat for the night. You what? start off in like a, a cat cafe setting with a bunch of cats and uh, you decide which one's your favorite and then you can take it back to your room for the night and it stays with you. Sounds like a cat brothel. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> well, that's what, that is your description of what you just said. It's all a bit sinister and unpleasant. Cat brothel. Well, you, cho- you go into a place. You Nobody choose, else would have thought that. You choose what is wrong with you? something, you take it back to your room. There's something quite <laughs> awful about that. But that is not a nice opening to the podcast. But it sounds good. I like that. That's cool. So what yeah. is for people that want to have a cat but aren't sure if yeah, they Yeah, exactly. It's for people that ha- are thinking about buying a cat themselves, but they're not sure if they can handle it, don't know if they know how to properly take care of a cat. Wow. Um, they just want uh, a night to experience what it's like. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> a night at the cat Stop ruffle. it. <laughs> good God. I must say it sounds quite nice. Sounds kind of cool. Yeah. And are they like stray cats or where are they? I actually don't know. Uh, I guess we'll find out next week. Wonderful. Yeah, I'll be making a video. So come check it out on my channel if you're interested. Very good. We'll definitely get on that. As for me, I uh, I just put out a video actually doing an ambient ambient video, like an ASMR style video mm. of the Japanese countryside. I don't know if you saw 
um, about a month or two ago, I did a road trip style video driving across Japan in the new car. And there was a beautiful piece of scenery in, um, in Yamagata prefecture, these rice fields, a nice little shrine, this little hamlet, and uh, in the background, the towering Mount Chokai. And I put that shot in the video, but I keep finding myself going back to it. Something quite beautiful about that shot. It encapsulates everything I like about Japan and the countryside. And so I went back to it pulled out the footage from the 100 gigabytes of B-roll from that video and turned it into like a 30-minute episode where you can sort of listen to the uh, the ambient sounds of nature and the little stream in the foreground. And mm. so it's really kind of relaxing. I made it for myself, really. That's Therapy. the kind of thing people need nowadays. It's been a stressful year, so... Well, if you're going to start making those videos, now's the time. Absolutely. Really. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, like I said, I mean, I made it kind of for myself as mm. some sort of therapy. And uh, I wasn't originally going to share it online, but it's done quite well. And um, yeah, it might be something to explore further. I'd like the idea of just going somewhere in Japan with a beautiful backdrop or kind of setting and just mm. setting up the camera and, uh, and filming it. So Check it out. It's on the Broad Perspective channel, where I also posted a video last week of Tokyo at night in a cyberpunky atmosphere. Um, it's kind of my experimental channel. Do you have anything like that? Um, I used to, and then it became my main channel. <laughs> so now I don't anymore. I started using my old Charlotte Japan channel again, but just for live streams. Um, ah. So yeah, I don't really have an experimental channel. I suppose I could use Charlotte Japan for that if I really wanted to, but... So I guess a broad perspective is my playground. The thing mm -hmm. is with YouTube, right, for those of you uh, who aren't aware of the world of YouTube, you've got to always try and have videos that do well, right? There's always this pressure to put out videos that get the views, get the traffic. Otherwise, it could bugger your channel. Yeah. And um, so what you find is most long-term YouTubers who've been doing it a while, they establish a brand, they build it up, get you know thousands of subscribers, and then they'll set up another channel which becomes their kind of... Of what what becomes their original channel in many respects, yeah. the things they enjoyed doing, um, like being a bit more <laughs> experimental, so where you're not motivated by views and traffic, mm. and that is kind of what a broad perspective is. Not that I've neglected abroad in Japan; it's still very much in action. But um, we, as you said earlier, one of the reasons you're down here is you're doing um, your subscription box. Yeah. Um, stationary, right? Yes, stationary, Japanese stationary. Neko neko post. Neko neko post. Cat cat post. Cat cat post. Wonderful. <laughs> When I'm going to bring out my own rival, Inu Inu Post, no. Dog Dog Post. <laughs> and uh, we joked about in the last episode what an Abroad in Japan subscription box would look like. And uh, Stony Brooks from Nashville says, hey, guys, loving the podcast. Hope Sean is doing well. Poor old Pete. Go on holiday. Uh, he's greatly missed. Uh, things that you can add to your subscription box include bad English stationery, <laughs> Natsuki's empty cigarette packages, I like that. Kumamon of the month. Kumamon of the month? What even is that? Like a figure, a different a Kumamon figure every month. Kumamoto's <laughs> beloved mascot. A packet of dried ramen and temporary tattoos of Japanese characters that look <laughs> neat to the untrained eye, but are actually random things like charcoal grill. <laughs> Ariana Grande would love that. Uh, <laughs> reference to Ariana Grande's ill-fated tattoo last year. Oh. What was she right? Nichirin. Uh, Shichirin. Seven Rings, right? Yeah. Name her album, but it means small charcoal oh, grill. that's such a shame. Terrible shame. What were the chances? I was sad about that when she yeah. buggered up her tattoo. I mean, most Japanese people didn't really mind. Cause they everyone, just thought it was cute. Yeah, they thought, oh, you know. a Japanese tattoo. <laughs> everybody, everybody messes up kanji. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, 
everyone else bullied her relentlessly. And I remember reading oh. that she was going to give up studying Japanese oh, as a result. That's so, so sad. That is sad. I hope she's carried on. But um, there you go. The Abroad Japan subscription <laughs> box. What a deal. I'm not sure how enthusiastic people would be about <laughs> receiving Natsuki's empty cigarette packets. Um, and Natsuki only smokes about one pack a day. So that would limit the amount. Oh, the amount. dear. I suppose yeah. by, end, by the end of each month, we can make 30, 30 400-pound boxes. boxes. Very 30. limited supply. 30 bespoke boxes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still propose the idea of photos of Pete Donaldson, but uh, each to their own. Um, we like to kick off these podcasts with a story sent in by you guys, um, an interesting story. And one of the stories um, we get a lot, Charlotte, uh, are people who have had run-ins with... Uh, Cults with cults in oh, Japan. Dear. Yeah. Um, have you ever run into a cult? Or oh, I've had a few people try to recruit me. It's Dear always God. just like it's always a random like old lady on the street. She looks so like unassuming and kind, and she's like, "I see my son." And you go up to her like, "Oh, what does this sweet little old lady want?" And then she just tries to convince you to join her cult. Oh God! And gives you like information pamphlets. They're pretty friendly though, aren't they? They are nice. Yeah, it's not like a scary experience. It's just like, oh dear, what have I gotten myself into? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, like I, biscuit lady. She was a good example of the type of lady. That biscuit would, lady. Yeah, try to bring you into. Oh uh, yeah, from the journey across yeah. Japan, the third video. Yeah, that was a bit <laughs> weird. Uh, she was definitely in some sort of religious mm, cult, I believe. The that way would have been my guess. The way she would not stop. Um, trying to lure me back to her house to some sort of weird <laughs> impromptu party. Anyway, uh, we got one from Keith from Toronto. He says, Hi, Chris and Charlotte, long-time listener, first-time writer. I took a solo trip to Japan in October 2018 during the reading week break of my last year of college, and I was planning to go again in 2020 before the pandemic happened. I thought now would be the perfect time to write in, as while I was in Osaka, I ran into you and Charlotte on one of the walkways right underneath Ebisu Bridge in Dotonbori. I... Do you remember that? <sighs> I don't know. If, I must say, During Journey Across Japan I was in, in a, Osaka. So we run into Keith. Was that after we had drunk a lot? I was either <sighs> drunk. I mean, at that point, that was the middle bit of Journey Across Japan. Mm. So my head was broken. I do it's remember talking to a few viewers. I do remember speaking to a chap around then. And that was you, Keith. That's awesome, though. Um, we chatted for a few well, couple of minutes, Keith continues, and uh, and then you were off to get some more shots for Journey Across Japan while you were filming. It was quite surreal for me to run into you both as I'd been watching all the Journey Across Japan videos up to that point before uh, in my bed in my capsule <laughs> That's hotel. Cool. That's cool. And of course, Keith, Pete Donaldson would have been there as well. You would have got the full yeah. set. Although maybe he Pete... must have been off, though. Pete has a somewhere. habit of just running off and doing Pete things, <laughs> and then you, you see him ten minutes later. Um, a few days before this, though, I had a bit of an unusual, albeit unpleasant, um, experience riding the bullet train from Tokyo to Kyoto. While we were waiting for the train to arrive, an elderly Japanese woman approached me and started speaking in English, asking where I was from and what my plans were in Japan and Kyoto, if I was a student, etc. We made some small talk for about 15 minutes before our train arrived. I was pleasantly surprised by this encounter, as, one as, the, as it was one of the only conversations I had during my whole trip since I went by myself. Once we were approaching Kyoto, the woman found me at my seat and handed me a piece of paper with the name, address and phone number of a friend of hers in Kyoto. She told me to call the number when I arrived at Kyoto Station at the man and that the man would pick me up and I could stay at his house. 
I took the paper, thanked her and got off the train at Kyoto. She stayed on for another stop down the line. I was very suspicious at this point. I didn't call the number or go to the man's house. I just went straight to my hotel and continued with my plans in Kyoto. I wonder what would have happened if I'd phoned the number uh, <laughs> and uh, would it have been a unique once-in-a-lifetime experience or would I have been initiated into a cult or worse? Do you think this was just a hospitable, friendly group of elders looking for someone to practice their English with and show around Kyoto or something more sinister like a cult? Thank you for your time. Keith from Toronto. What's the verdict? What do you reckon? I feel like inviting him to stay like at their friend's house, that doesn't really sound like a, a cult. I feel like they were probably, maybe they were just friends that were studying English together and she thought that her, her male friend would like someone to practice English with. I don't know. There's better no, but there's better ways of doing it, isn't there? Well, surely, yeah. But this doesn't feel like a cult situation to me. I don't know. I've never had anything like this before. I've never had someone hand me someone's number and say you can stay at their house. It is sad that uh, (laughs) yeah, a lot of the people uh, over messaging messaging these uh, these stories to us Mm. have uh, have kind of been saying that. Every time there's an encounter with a stranger, is it something to do with a cult? <laughs> well, it's, it's a fair guess. It is a fair yeah, guess. It's really like, hard to say in this case. Because people here are quite shy and uh, yeah, and, and people don't like to bother you in Japan, yeah. right? Unless you're you know, sitting in a restaurant or a cafe and a worker mm. might strike up a conversation. But for someone to approach you like that and then to actively track you down on the train, mm. that is a little bit suspicious. Uh, I mean, I, next time, Keith, if it happens again, Go for it. Let us know. Don't say that. Let us know what happens. Don't give him sketchy advice. I think he made the right choice. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can attest to doing the same thing if I was in that position. Yeah, surely. Um, now, it came across an interesting article this week, and it relates to, obviously, with the, the coronavirus situation, it's led to some bizarre things happening across Japan, like uh, kind of knock-on effects. Mm. Um and actually, Pete and I, the other day, in a few episodes back, we talked about uh, a hotel in Tokyo that's giving away rooms for free. Is that and the one that films you? No, that's oh. <laughs> that's another one. Oh. A far more, far more sinister one. <laughs> the, the one where they film What's... you is uh, in Fukuoka. Oh. And you so... stay overnight and they stream your video. They stream yeah, you. Yeah, you can stay for free or it's like one yen. The idea being they monetize the video of you oh, in dear. the room. And your ad revenue pays for it. Um I, I mean, I don't know what happened to that hotel. That was like six months I ago. I can't believe many people would agree to that. I certainly wouldn't. It's a little bit shady. It's horrible. Um, so, What's the deal with this one? Why can you stay for free? So a new hotel opened in um, Yurakcho, I think, mm. um, just about a stop from Tokyo Station. Really central area, really great. It's near Ginza. And they opened the hotel, but no one was coming because mm. there's no bloody tourists yeah. at the moment, right? So what they did is, rather than shut the hotel or close it down temporarily, they left it open and they've enabled people to stay for free. But all you've got to do is shout it out on your social media. Really? Anybody? Anybody. anybody not like doesn't have to be media. a YouTuber or wow. a Twitter person or an influencer. You, huh. Anybody. It's a pretty good deal. So when you, why aren't you staying there? Didn't know about it. Are you going to stay there now? Possibly. And you I get, feel like there's a catch. And if I remember, you get like a free plate of salmon what? as well. A free a plate bite. of salmon? <laughs> it wasn't salmon, what? it was like mackerel. Mackerel, I think. You get, oh, summer. So you get a free plate of mackerel. <laughs> so if you like mackerel and free hotel rooms, that's the place to wow. be. Um, and, I, and I've been staying in a hotel recently in Tokyo that's about half the price of what it normally is. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, I've noticed that. Because the lack of tourist hotels have had to really yeah. fight for the number of people. So that's 
a kind of a good thing, I guess. Not only tourists, the the business travelers as well aren't traveling anymore. They're doing everything online. So like uh, businessmen that would normally use the business hotels, right? Absolutely. They're yeah. not going either. So there's like it's it's all a bit of an economic nobody staying there. Economic disaster yeah. on the horizon, really. A lot of these hotels that you know they built so many hotels and they're up to the Olympics because yeah. they're expecting a boom in tourists and everything. The exact opposite. And now it happens. could not have been worse. They've yeah. gone from thirty million to just zero. Yeah, ninety uh, ninety hundred. Like was I think it was ninety seven percent drop in tourists. Jesus. I don't know where the 3% came from. Yeah, how'd they get in? Exactly. But no, it's really quite ominous and worrying. And there's not been a single one of my uh, Japanese friends who's mm. not been untouched by, uh, who's not been a, he's not been affected by this right. and seen a yeah. massive drop in their business. One of the weirdest things to happen, I was reading this week about the Nara deer. Um, as you're aware, in, de- in Nara, there's in Nara. about, mm. what, 400, sorry, 900 deer yeah, that roam around the park. Yeah. yeah. And it's a great place if you like deer. It's quite surreal just walking through these these uh, this park in front of the temple and the shrines and just having nine hundred deer <laughs> roam around. I love around. that park. It is pretty cool. Yeah. And um, the reason they follow people around is, of course, for those delicious, tasty, nutritious rice crackers. <laughs> um, so apparently, thirteen million tourists usually visit Nara Park every year, and uh, the number of rice crackers sold amounts to twenty million. Oh um, and the the ninety the nine hundred deer in the park usually eat something like sixty rice crackers per day, huh. on average. Um, but uh, in the absence of tourists, the deer have been getting increasingly desperate and have been wondering where the hell the crackers are. Is nobody uh, feeding them? Like the people at the well, shop aren't just giving them the crackers. I think there are people. I did read that people are giving them crackers, but, but just not as many as usual. You, well, you can't fill in for millions Aww. of tourists, can you? Unless the whole town gets together and starts feeding the deer. I hope there's something else they can eat. Well, what do deer eat normally? Surely they, not rice crackers. They typically eat grass. Yeah, can't they just graze on the grass? Though? They say that um, in many ways, the the lack of tourists, the lack of rice crackers, has been good for the deer. Cause yeah, because the must be healthier. Well, the crackers aren't Surely. are nutritious, but they're also making them a bit fat mm. and lazy. I think, and uh, so some of the deer who are desperately addicted to crackers have escaped and started roaming the town a bit more and going a bit further <laughs> in afield in search of crackers. In search of crackers. <laughs> uh, in January this year, before the drop in tourists, about seventy-two percent of the deer uh, were recorded in the park during the day, right? right. But in June, this dropped to fifty percent. Wow. Um, and if you look at the night time, 56% of the deer were in the park in January. Now it's gone down to 34%. Where so a 20% decrease. Down yeah. in the city, wandering the city. Roaming the streets of Nara in wow. search of tasty crackers. Um, but interestingly, uh, the number of deer sitting on the grass during the day has increased from 20% to 60%. Uh, huh. And apparently, when deer eat um, r- grass, right. it's supposed to be good for them. It gives it's through a system called rumination, which huh. requires a lot of rest and whatnot. Uh, they huh. kind of need to sit down on the so grass and relax. Now then, so returning to a healthy diet in some respects. Oh, they should stop feeding the deer those crackers. I feel bad for them. They love them, but it's like giving cats treats. So it is it's a slippery not good slope. To give them so much. I remember the first time I went there, my first year. I. Uh, 
went with a friend and uh, he bought some rice crackers and I was going to take some photos of him eating the deer. Yeah. Sorry, eating the... Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. My God. <laughs> Getting ahead of myself. Fast. I haven't had dinner. That's all I'm thinking. Um, I, I was going to <laughs> take some photos of my friend feeding the deer crackers. And uh, he like fed one, and then all of a sudden there was like eight or nine deer around yeah. him, and they were tearing at his clothes. He was like really? screaming. He was like, "Oh my god, Aww. help!" And all the deer were like assaulting him, and uh, it got quite ominous and quite scary quite quickly. I feel like most of them are really well mannered. Lots of them will bow at you for a cracker. Mm. They know they know that they have to bow for a cracker. That's right. <sighs> I don't know who started that, but yeah, I don't you, know, but it works. You hold out the cracker, and then they bow. Yeah, and they bow three or four times, yeah. and then you give them the cracker. It's really cute. It's pretty cool. Um, but that got out of hand. Like they just assaulted him, oh, and it dear. got pretty messy. So, <laughs> word of advice: if you're in Nara one day when Japan is open again, be careful how many crackers you hold in your hands, because it could lead to uh, to a real horror show. Um, but have you noticed any other big changes in Japan as a result of the coronavirus? What have you personally seen? Do you think? Hmm. Other than Tokyo being a heck of a lot quieter, we yeah, look at somewhere it's really like weird. Asakusa which is one of the most touristy districts in Tokyo. It's yeah. just a ghost town at the moment. Even Shibuya Crossing is pretty damn quiet by the standards of Shibuya. It's all a bit weird. And when I ride the bullet train down here from Sendai, nobody's on the bullet train. Oh, the bullet train being empty is the best part. It's so easy to get a seat now. I usually had to wait a couple hours at the station for a, a free train, but now I can Good get God. on right away. And I'm usually the only one in my carriage. Yeah. You could throw a party. Um, yeah. All to yourself in the carriage. <laughs> All carriage to myself. That's about it, though, really. I guess that's the only changes. Um, yeah, it's nice. I'm liking Tokyo with less people. Um, it is a bit odd. At, like... at least one good thing has come out of all of this. We've gotten to enjoy um, the big cities with less crowds, which is mm. cool. In a selfish kind of way, absolutely. Yeah. You do feel like you've, you've kind of got Japan to yourself a bit. Yeah. But um, no, I do worry about friends in business. Like, I've got... Well, yeah, I've made a video about a sushi restaurant recently and they've seen a, something like a big drop a halving of yeah, customers coming half. in. Um, I've got a friend who owns a Wagyu steak restaurant. He's seen a, um, like, you know, a huge drop as well. Mm. I think Natsuki's had less customers coming in, which doesn't make sense. People need haircuts. What are they doing? Do you think it's because they're not going into the office so they feel like they don't have to look good? Ah. People just like growing out their hair. It's possible. Could see a whole new wave of different hairstyles. Yeah, you'd think this wouldn't be affecting a hair cutting business all that much. It's, but even that's, you know, that's worrying. Yeah. What's Natsuki going to do? Um, Natsuki was already in a dicey situation anyway, because um, for those of you who don't know, good friend Natsuki runs a beauty salon doing hair and things, and uh, he was already affected living in the countryside, right? right. And you've, you've been to Natsuki's hair salon yeah. and... Uh, Know how stylish it is. Yeah, it's, it's really cool nice. Style, right? It's a lovely place. And they're really good at doing hair. And uh, and you get to meet Natsuki. But it's um, because he's in the countryside, where the population is already going off a cliff, mm. it's already been affecting him the last five years. I think he's seen his business go down gradually. And right. uh, this has just been another blow to it. It's been a real bad year for Natsuki mm. as well. And I think Ryotaro as well has been affected. Ryotaro does seminars throughout Japan, teaching businesses how to handle foreign customers and how to handle them. Is is Riotto the best man to teach people that? <laughs> Dunno. <laughs> we'll see how abrasive and evil Riotto is. Um but uh, yeah he's he's had um, I think less seminars as well mm. because businesses haven't needed it. And also the idea of having a seminar hasn't seemed so attractive. So yes, it's not a good year for a lot of people and it's uh, it's all rather bad. 
but at least the deer are getting fit. Yeah. <sighs> oh, yay. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We now turn our attention, though, to the fax machine, because you are here for a short time, Charlotte. In fact, this is your... Last time on the podcast oh, ever, before, before you are ceremoniously thrown out the window, like all of our guests on the podcast, which is a ritual like, the I, only one. I've only just determined. Um, I thought it takes some time to uh, interrogate you and question oh. you with some uh, questions right. sent in by our listeners. And we start with Terence, who says, hi, guys. Uh, what's it like? The inevitable question. What's it like dating Japanese men? Uh, what are some differences compared to dating men from other parts of the world? Which parts are better? Which parts are worse? I'm not sure if either of you can answer this. Well, I can't answer it. Uh, <laughs> but I feel it's more probably likely that Sharla will be able to help us out. Thanks and have a nice day, Terence. Um, no, I've not dated any Japanese men. And I don't think Pete has either. So you are well placed for this, Sharla. <laughs> what are the pros and cons of your um... experience? Well, I haven't dated a Japanese guy in quite a while. I guess the last time was in my early 20s, so over 10 mm. years ago. Mm. Um, I've dated probably three or four Japanese guys right. in my entire life. Um, it really depends. If there's someone who's lived overseas, like outside of Japan, um, I can say that, you know, there's not really that many differences to dating someone who has that experience overseas. I feel like they kind of adopt a more Western personality. Mm. Um but the Japanese guys that I dated that were just purely Japanese had never left the country. Mm. Uh, one of the things that I didn't like was that they're completely against um, 
like holding hands or kissing or hugging in public, like public even, even holding hands. Yeah, I dated this one guy and we were out for a walk at night. It was midnight mm. in the countryside and there's nobody around. Maybe a car would drive by every 20 minutes or so. And he refused to hold my hand. I'd go to hold his hand. He'd be like, no, it's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> there was nobody around. <laughs> it mm. was so annoying. Um, I would say that was definitely the one thing that really bothered me because I didn't understand like, surely uh, I can see why they wouldn't want to make out, like, well, at the yeah. station or something. I would certainly get oh, heads turning in Japan, right? Right, but something as little as holding hands, um, I felt like that was something that was hard for me to really understand the reasoning behind. So that always became a problem. Well, I mean, my experience with relationships is there's just not that much affection. It's right. very different right. to the West. And, you know... I, Even when you're, like, I don't think, out of the public. Well, I don't think it's there is a right or wrong answer to that. But, mm. like, uh, there's, there's, it, how romance is viewed in Japan is very differently right. to how it's viewed in the West, right? Yes, I very different. I find it's a lot more <laughs> serious and, you know, a lot more to the point, in Japan, right? People want to know where they stand. And yeah. What was that culture where you tell people you like them on the first or second date? What's it called? Oh, kokuhaku. Yeah. Kokuhaku. That's where you basically it's have basically to... It's basically just where you like tell somebody that you like them. Like you don't date. You kind mm. of just like go up to them. You've never talked in your uh, life and you just say, I like you. Uh, okay. Go out with me. <laughs> Which doesn't work. Yeah. It just so scares you. you if someone did that in the UK... You'd be like, oh, uh, I need to go over no. here now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit too full different. on. Yeah. But yeah, um, I don't know. It's it's all a bit different. As for parts that were better, it was always really interesting to date someone from another culture because you learn a lot. Mm. Um, it was it was awesome for, we got to speak Japanese. I learned a lot of language. Um, and did it help you feel more integrated into Japan at all? Yeah, yeah, because um, they would introduce me to, to their friends. I would make lots of Japanese friends really easily. Um, met their families, learned how to cook Japanese food. Like, there were tons of plus sides as well. But, um, yeah, in, in general, I found it really hard to find someone who was compatible because of the big cultural differences, like showing affection and stuff like that. For me, it was a bit too different. Absolutely, fair mm. enough. Interesting, interesting. I, I mean, I, yeah, I, it's, it's a tough topic mm. in many ways. I have some strong opinions on it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I'm i not going to lie, I haven't seen it work that often really well. Yeah, and I find when I'll it, be blunt, like, I've, I've been here eight years, I know a lot of people who are in intercultural relationships and, right. you know, th some of them go perfectly, it's brilliant. Yeah. But I've seen a lot of them fail pretty badly and I've seen... A lot of unhappiness because of the cultural divide. It's not easy. It's not. <laughs> At first, it might feel like really exciting to learn all about a different culture, but sometimes there's just some key differences that are so different that no matter how hard you try, you just can't get over them because you were raised one way and they were raised another. And it, it takes a lot of compromise. So if you're not up for that, it can be really hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was in one relationship for almost two years with a Japanese girl, and it was really fun at first, the cultural aspect, getting to know each other, discovering things. They just got really serious, and it, it, a lot of the fun was drained out of it really quick. And I don't know. I, yeah. Nice person. We're, we're still friends and whatnot, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't for me. But uh, 
Thank you very much for answering that, Charlotte, in a way that Pete and I couldn't do. Uh, hey, Chris and Charlotte, I've been enjoying both your channels for years now um, as someone with a love of Japanese culture. Thank you very much. Uh, you've both been in the world of YouTube for a long time, but I was wondering if you ever regretted doing it. And if you were to go back and start over, would you have done anything differently or would you have done it at all? Many thanks to you both. Lucy from London. Would you have done anything differently? Would you have done it at all? The world of YouTube. Um, I certainly don't regret doing it. I've gotten so many cool experiences from being a YouTuber. Um, so yeah, definitely zero regret there. As for doing anything differently, I don't know, you go back and you look at your first videos and they're horribly embarrassing, but I don't know. I feel like that's all part of the journey. I don't think I would have told myself to start off with really good videos off the bat or something. I think it's kind of charming to have some really <laughs> rough embarrassing videos from years ago that people can look back on and see how you've grown. So mm. no, I don't think I would have done anything differently. How about you? Uh, I mean, I've, I've not regretted doing it. I've always wanted to do something like this. Mm. So I feel very grateful and lucky really mm. to do something that I love. Never thought I'd uh, be in this position. Uh, and I, yeah, I don't think I would, I would do anything differently to be honest. I'm kind of happy with all how it turned out. I didn't really, start doing youtube properly full time until i was three years into it right, right? about the same as me about the same as you mm. yeah and um i yeah i feel very grateful to do it i mean i, I it's weird because you kind of have to make up your own direction with youtube right mm. you can kind of go in any direction and uh yeah i'm always on the hunt for new ideas the thing that annoys me I, i've never had a point where i felt like quitting the only time i felt a bit worried was I think in 2017 when there was a, the ad adpocalypse thing where oh, yeah. videos of mine were just getting demonetized yeah, for no reason. Yeah, that was, was frustrating. Suddenly I was worried because I had no money to live off or make videos and mm. like everything was going downhill. And that was the point where I thought, uh-oh, now I'm stuffed. But other than that, it's been a pretty good ride, really. Yeah, yeah. I can say the same, really, <laughs> about the same experience. The thing that annoys me, I, I, I don't get that hang- many... Um, hate comments anymore which is a shame because i love them so <laughs> always good fun i think it always is every now and then someone right he's run out of ideas that's the comment if you want to know the yeah, comment that triggers me the most it's the one where they it go oh he's run out of ideas though because if you had run out of ideas you wouldn't be making videos would you i think i first got it in like 2014 oh he's run out of ideas <laughs> 2014 like, i was like oh have i <laughs> and every year there's always someone like, he's run later. out of ideas it's like i haven't though, have i <laughs> in the last few videos i've Driven across Japan, ridden on a bullet train, been in a love hotel, you know, sushi restaurants. The idea is just to keep things fresh and original. Mm. And uh, yeah, I've run out of ideas. Bastard. <laughs> Hello, Chris and Charlotte. I love both your YouTube contents and listen to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. I bet Pete is off somewhere hungover. <laughs> Probably a good guess. I hope so. I hope he's enjoying his holiday. Um, it's, it's well earned. He does like four different podcasts. He's got the Abroad Japan podcast, Luke wow. and Pete's show, Football Ramble, and the Wrestle Me podcast. Does he so get a many. holiday from all of them this week? He's, yeah, holiday oh, from everything. Amazing. So well done to him. But uh, before I ask the question, I just want to say to Charlotte... In high school, when I was in Japanese class in year 10, my teacher actually showed us a video from your channel. You were in the park full of deer. Yeah, I forgot the name video. of the park. Oh, that's cool. Nara Park. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, and I was so happy uh, <laughs> that I knew your channel because I watched your content a lot back Aww. then. Uh, my teacher also watched your content as well. That's really cool. I'm yet to hear about Chris's content being played in the classroom. <laughs> I don't think yours is child friendly enough. 
given year 10 is pretty much 17-year-olds, put in perspective. <laughs> what? Why is my free publicity? I must admit, I do get people um, from university or school saying they, like their teacher's shown That's the Avonja really cool. I, I always love that. I love when people tell me that. Probably have only heard it maybe 10, 20 times over the years. I, it depends on the video I've made. If it's like something <laughs> like the tsunami documentary, then yeah, great. Yeah. But if it's just me swearing in a room, which is the other 80% it's of probably the videos. Probably not their first choice for their lecture. That's a little bit awkward, the idea of people sitting in a room watching that. Um, anyway, here's the question. Ash says, when I got to high school, I had the opportunity to go on a homestay trip to Japan. However, mm. I couldn't make up my mind as I wanted to wait until me and my boyfriend at the time graduated high school so mm. we could go on a trip together. I just couldn't make up my mind if I wanted to go then and there. And uh, he was given the opportunity to go because he was a year above me. Mm. Um, it turns out I didn't take the leap and ended up waiting for the chance again. He graduated and I broke it off with him. And I'll always be sad that I missed the potential adventure about what life is like in a homestay in Japan. Oh. I'm 20 now. And my love for Japan is still present. I've never been. And I feel there's no opportunity like this that will ever come again. So here's the question. Is a homestay normal for people my age? Um, I heard about studying abroad later in my degree, offered at my university. It's an internship kind of job. Is that any similar to a homestay? I might have to, to do some research, but I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Ash from Melbourne. She's only 20. Yeah, 20 is not. She's still quite young. That's not old. <laughs> she says, for people my age, I, I was expecting her to be like, I don't know, at least in her the 40s old or something. Age but of 20. Um, no, I don't think any age is too old to enjoy a homestay. What about um, 70? No. What about 80? Why would that be too old? What about 90? <laughs> <laughs> I think anybody could enjoy a homestay. It's a really great way to exchange cultures and stories with people i i just recently did a farm stay where i stayed over at a farmhouse and i learned mm. how to pick edamame and um, i'm 34 so <laughs> if i can enjoy it surely you can at 20 yeah don't don't worry about your age at all i think that's fine if you come across an opportunity i really think you should do it as for if the internship will include a homestay i'm not sure that will be all up to your university's program you could possibly be staying at a dormitory that's common or maybe uh, you'll be renting out your own apartment. If they don't mention a homestay, then it probably won't include that. Um, mm. But you can always just do like a one night homestay type experience like I did at the farm. If mm. you do come to Japan. Oh, I've done a homestay once mm. and didn't enjoy it. It's not for me. Well, you I didn't like it? Nope. Really? Just felt trapped on someone's house. There was no escape. Oh. Just How weird. long were you there? One night. Too oh. many nights. <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> it was just, I don't know, it was, they were a lovely person and uh. we had a nice dinner. But I was, it was like 10 o'clock and I was like, I want to go now. But I couldn't because it was a homestay. And <laughs> I feel like when you do a homestay, a homestay in Japan, you've got to do it by their rule book. You can't really do what you want. The right. plan is made up. Right. right. Yeah, that's head. very true. And they're good. Like that's, that's a good thing. They're very hospitable mm. folks that do it. But yeah, I'm just not for me. That's interesting. But I would encourage you to go, Ash, <laughs> and to finally go to Japan. Do yeah, it. it's some of my best memories come from the homestays I've done. So yeah. maybe I should give it another Highly go. I recommend it. I don't know. Maybe you, I could you be don't sound like the right person. I just, <laughs> this is not for you. Don't like being in a house with people. <laughs> that I, could I, be I, your first problem. Yeah, that's that's pretty. Pretty big problem if you're going on a homestay. Got one from Cedric from the Netherlands. Hello, Chris and Charlotte and Pete, wherever he may be listening from. I'd be amazed if Pete's listening to this <laughs> while not. he's in a pool somewhere <laughs> on a lilo, spinning around, drinking beer. Um, I hope you're doing well. My name's Cedric from the Netherlands and I've been a fan of both your channels for quite a few years now. And I've been listening to the podcast since the pandemic started. Thank you. Now more than ever. 
um, have both of you been an inspiration for my future travels to northern Japan. Ooh. My prior trip to Japan back in May 2019, we didn't really invest much time in northern Japan as mm. we drove from Tokyo down the southwest. Um, we didn't think there would be much interest, much many things of interest mm. in the north, but how wrong we could be. Your videos on northern Japan lately have been an eye-opener, and I can only say with regret that we should have gone up north as well. Um, now my question to you, what is the one place in northern Japan that you think is a must-see. Also, I have a suggestion for a podcast, uh, a suggestion to a few podcasts back when you mentioned wanting ideas for Abroad in Japan merchandise. What about checking out the Abroad in Japan soundboard for ideas? I personally think it holds a lot of potential for merch. Keep up the great work, and I hope to see uh, Shana back again at some point. Uh, she's a great guest. Cedric from the Netherlands. Uh, um, Thank you, Cedric. That's very kind of you, Cedric. I mean, you can't have it all, though, in one holiday. Um, yeah, I think it's good that you focused on... Southwest. Like, yeah, just a few areas for your first trip. You don't want to try and cram it all in and be rushing around. And most people do that as well. They go yeah. to Southwest, like uh, Kyoto, right. Osaka, Hiroshima. And northern There's... Japan is huge, so you want a good chunk of time to be able to explore mm. it, I would say. But where? What is the one place? And that's um, a really hard question for me because it's... I can't really think of one place. If I had to give one thing, I might say Tsurunoyu Onsen in right. Akita Prefecture. Uh, I've been to lots of onsen resorts and uh, it was probably the most impressive one. I think it dates back to the 1600s. It's quite old. Um, and it's just beautiful. There's eight different public baths mm. that you can go in. Some of them are for both male and female. Mm, mm. Um, so if you're with your friends or your partner, you can go in together. That's pretty cool um, and kind of rare. It's hard to find onsen that have that. And they're famous for their milky bath. Um, so <laughs> once you get in the bath, nobody can see anything. So if you're kind of uncomfortable being naked yeah. in public, uh, it could be a good option. But um, just in general, the whole onsen resort is really beautiful the accommodation you stay in is really old it's a really old traditional building um yeah just the whole place is gorgeous i've got a video on it from years back when i went on my charlotte japan channel um check that out if you want to see what it's awesome. like but yeah that would probably be my my one recommendation if i had to pick one i am gonna say uh hachinohe maybe in haomori mm. in haomori because You've got the biggest morning market in North Japan every Sunday, and uh, you've also got the Yataimura, the, mm, the nighttime that was kind of cool. stands. And you, I know you've been there. We went there on the road yeah. trip, didn't we? And I went there with Ryotaro and made some videos, uh, which you can check out. But I, I think that's a cool place. Aomori City's all right. You can get a nice fish market. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sendai as well is a good jumping off point. From there, in two days, you could go to Matsushima Bay, See oh, a beautiful Matsushima, bay. I forgot about that. Nice temple. Nice. And also get a train going the opposite direction, about an hour, into the mountains of Yamagata to Yamadera Temple, which mm. is a really picturesque, beautiful temple out in the mountains. So Sendai is a good jumping off point in that respect. Mm, but that's true. Yeah. Ah, it's a difficult one, though. Yeah. If you have a car, I really recommend driving around the Tsuruoka area in Yamagata. Uh, depending on the season. You don't mm. want to do that in the winter. Mount but, or uh, Mount Haguro. Yeah, Mount Haguro area. Is, it's just really nice. Really, Lots of really old traditional houses and um, the rice fields are gorgeous in the fall. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, some nice scenery. I'm going to plug the Abroad in Japan website map. If you look, at, if you go on the Abroad in Japan website, as well as seeing the glorious soundboard uh, that, uh, that you mentioned 
Cedric, there's also a map of Japan, and on that map we've got dots or like locations where every single video has been filmed. Mm. And I think that's a really good way to find ideas, right? Yeah. So you can see a little area, you can click on it and see where Riotta and I have been or something. So I recommend checking that out. And uh, I will go back and uh, listen to the soundboard and mine it and steal ideas from the soundboard. (laughs) I love that soundboard. Forget about that. Um, Got one from Parker. It says, hi, Chris and Charlotte. I hope you're both doing well. My name is Parker and I'm currently anticipating the JET program, the Japan Exchange Mm. Teaching Program application for 2021 to open soon. I've only ever spent one week in Japan, mostly because my study abroad plans were trashed by the pandemic. I've heard plenty of stories of what the job is like, but I haven't heard nearly as much about people's lives outside of the mm. job. So since both you, both of you worked as English teachers in Japan, I was wondering if you could tell me a bit about how you spent your time outside of the classroom. Things like making friends, participating in hobbies, traveling etc thank you both for all you've done with the channels even if i didn't get to study abroad last spring like i had planned during quarantine i've been able to experience lots of japan through your videos which has been a huge help for me sincerely parker thank you very much parker that's very kind of you and um yeah i'm glad the videos have been a nice little escape for folks that uh, weren't able to visit japan yeah. this year um but yeah, what did you do then when you worked as an English um, teacher? How so I you... wasn't part of the JET program. I worked at like private English schools uh, for about a total of three years. Right. Um, actually, up where I live now in Morioka in northern Japan. Uh, at the time, it was very snowy up there. Half of the year, the town was covered in lots of snow. <laughs> so that kind of limited what I could do outside of class. I would, I was happy if I could make it to class and back safely for half the year. But um, the rest of the time, I spent a lot of time hanging out at the local university. Mm. Um, I had made some friends there and they invited me to just come hang out on campus. So I would go there and we would like mountain bike together. I was learning how to like do tricks on a mountain bike. Um, Why didn't I see any of these tricks on Jenny? <laughs> We didn't have good bikes. They, need- <laughs> they were they were a little sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> Probably would have broken it further. Um, yeah, the only I- trick I did was falling face face first <laughs> off the damn into bike. A pole. Oh yeah, I drove into a pole, didn't I? <laughs> that was fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, as for making friends, I found hanging out at the local university was a really good way to do that. Even if you don't know anyone there to start off with, if you just like go there and sit on campus, somebody is going to come up and talk to you and wonder mm. what the random foreigner is doing on campus. So yeah, find local universities. Um, what else did he ask about? Um, hobbies, friends, traveling. I didn't travel much. I was working mm. all the time because I wasn't in the jet program. I was just working at private English schools. I worked at seven different schools at once. So I really didn't have much time for travel. So for my first three years in Japan, I didn't travel anywhere at all. How about you? No, I didn't really travel much on jet mm. either until I was finished. It, it's just difficult, especially it depends where you live, like where I was. Right in the middle of nowhere, it was tricky to go to places like Tokyo. You'd need to get a night bus and that would instantly take a whole night out of the equation right. and the night back and that wasn't really good. Um, so I didn't travel much, but I did do a lot. I did do a lot. Um, I had a schedule. but After the first year, I had like a pretty good schedule. Like Mondays, I volunteered at the Akaiwa in town with a friend. Mm. and We had like 10 people there aged from 30 to 70. They were good at English and wanted to chat. Wednesdays, I had my Japanese tutor, Ito Sensei. We hung out. 
in many ways, we didn't learn much Japanese, just chatted, which is fun, to be honest. We went, I went there to learn, but we just ended up chatting. <laughs> and you might have seen him in the swear words um, video, teaching yeah. swear words video. He created the phrase for fucks off. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Legends. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then on Thursday, I met with Natsuki and I was supposed to teach him Japanese. Uh, teach, teach him English. <laughs> teach him Japanese. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was supposed to teach him English and he was supposed to teach me Japanese. But all happened was we just got drunk and <laughs> ate yakitori all evening. I can't imagine that happening. And, uh, and then every three or four weeks, I did another volunteering um, at another Ikaiwa mm. or on like a Saturday or a Sunday in Soroka. So I was very busy. Mm. And in my first year, I did nothing. I just sat in my room and studied Japanese. It was really depressing. Mm. But I kind of needed to do that to get my Japanese to the point where I could actually make the most of my time in Japan, right? Yeah, so I don't regret true. that in some respects. But yeah, by my second and third year, I loved it. I really had a, a solid weekly schedule that kept me on my toes and on the days where I wasn't doing anything I was scripting um, and filming videos Mm. so I was always busy but that's the key Parker just try and get involved with as much stuff as you can I remember towards the end of my entire time on the jet program I got uh, I was picked up by a local magazine uh, with things just going on in the region the plane, the big plane that we lived on was called Shonai. It had Sakata City and Soroka City. And I remember I was on like every other page in it somewhere. Like I was in it for winning a speech contest, which was great because I won the third year but we failed the second loved year. You. Uh, I was able to somehow win that. Uh, I did like a, an event. I put on an event at the International Centre hmm. teaching English. Yeah, I used to do that in Morioka too. And I was just like on all these pages and it made me think, wow, crap, I've actually got quite a lot done the time I've yeah. been here. So volunteer um, for as many things as you can. Absolutely. Say yes to everything. If people invite you out to things, even if you don't think you'll really be into it, <laughs> you never know. Definitely. You might meet a new friend. Um, it'll, pro- yeah. it'll probably turn out well. So, yeah, just say yes to everything. And I remember I did a, a business event, Startup Weekend. And through Startup Weekend, I met someone from Sendai, a, a really cool um, investor who introduced, introduced me to Ryotaro. Yeah. Well. So, like, by getting involved with things, you do meet more people. And it's the ultimate networking tool and the ultimate way of really opening doors to your time in Japan and meeting Ryotaro. <laughs> what more could you ask for? What more could for? you possibly want? Although we all know that if you want to see Ryotaro, you just got to ride the bullet train between Tokyo and Sendai a few times and you'll see him somewhere <laughs> sitting on his computer. Go and say hello. He'll love it. He'll love it a lot. Um, but for now, that is it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Charlotte, for stepping in for Pete. Hopefully My we'll pleasure. see you again soon. Yeah. Maybe you'll come back one day. One day when Pete needs another vacation. When Pete goes on his much-needed holiday. He'll be back. Or when I go, maybe you can stand in for me. <laughs> With okay. Pete. When I go on holiday. Um, but thank you, Charlotte. And now you have to go out the window. All right. That's discussed. Bye. Bye. For and for now, guys, as always, many thanks for listening to the Abroad in Japan podcast. Keep the stories, questions, comments coming in to Abroad in Japan podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back on Wednesday and Pete will be back from his holiday. I look forward to hearing all about it and what he got up to. Uh, But for now, have yourself a great week and we'll see you then. Have a good one. Bye. Out the window. Get out the window. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 